Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of our Vested Finance podcast. My name is Kaihan Lin. I'm an editor at Vested, calling in from Singapore. My co-host today is Darwin Arifin, a co-founder at Vested, who is recording from the U.S. Welcome, Darwin. Thanks, Kai. Glad to be here. And to our listeners, thanks again for joining us this week. All right, Kai. What are we discussing today? Last week we discussed Netflix's earnings, and in today's episode, we will be talking about Q3 earnings for the rest of the U.S. tech giants, namely Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google. But first, the topics discussed and the opinions expressed in this podcast are purely for your information purposes and represent only the opinions of the individuals and not vested finance. Furthermore, the material in this podcast is not intended to be investment advice and should not be relied upon to make any investment decisions. You should consult with your own financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Now, on to Q3 earnings, starting with Facebook. They did well despite a dip in both the pandemic and the boycott earlier in the summer. I think well might be an understatement. One common theme from these earnings report that we will be discussing today is that these companies performed very well through the pandemic, beating analyst expectations and breaking even their own previous records. First up is Facebook. Facebook reported a 22% increase in revenue, up to $21.5 billion, with the net income that went up 30% to $7.8 billion. But beyond the top line numbers, the user base also went up. So the number of folks who used Facebook's product, this includes the Facebook app, Instagram, Messenger, and WhatsApp, each month increased to 3.2 billion from 2.8 billion people a year ago. This is up 14%. 3.2 billion people is a staggering number. That's about 41% of the world's population using one or more Facebook's app. The company expects Q4 2020 to be even stronger as advertisers spend more on ads during the holiday season. Beyond the top line numbers, though, one statistics that we want to pay attention to is average revenue per user or ARPU, which is how much money Facebook makes per user per year. After a slowdown in ARPU growth in Q2 2020 due to the pandemic, a lot of people were using Facebook apps, but not a lot of people are buying. So the average revenue per user actually, it didn't go down. It just slowed down in its growth. It still was positive. But then this quarter, our pool growth rate has begun to increase again. In Facebook's two most profitable markets, North America and Europe, Facebook makes almost $40 per user per year in US and Canada and $12.5 per user per year in Europe. In these two regions, our pool growth rate is about 15 to 16%, which is astounding. And just to give you a comparison, give you a sense of the scale and the profitability of Facebook, Snapchat is another social media company that recently announced its earnings. And in its most profitable market, the US, Snap made about $5.50 per user per year, or about seven times less than Facebook. And in Europe, Snap made about $1.40, or about 8.7 times less than Facebook. Still on Facebook, the company is one of the most recent entrants in cloud gaming, which seems to be the growing trend for most of the tech giants. A few weeks ago, we talked about Microsoft's strategy in this space. Now, Facebook is also throwing its hat into the ring. That's right. Last week, Facebook announced their cloud gaming initiative. Their strategy is different from Amazon's or Microsoft's or even Google's. So Amazon's and Microsoft's strategies, as we've discussed previously, are channel strategy, while Facebook's goal is to amplify the effectiveness of its advertising. Can you expand on that? 
Yeah, channel strategy has two key characteristics. Amazon and Microsoft will create cloud gaming channels that you can subscribe through Amazon's of Microsoft's Xbox portal, for example. So the different games publisher, Ubisoft, 2K, or others, they can have their own channels that gamers can subscribe to to play games on multiple devices for a flat monthly payment. This is very similar to Amazon's channels. If you're a Prime member, you can subscribe to HBO, Showtime, or other things through Amazon's portal. And number two, these games are likely AAA games, high-budget games. Meanwhile, Facebook's approach is to amplify its advertising efforts. Gaming app install ads is actually very big business for Facebook. And right now, the user journey to install a game when you see the ad is as such, right? The user sees a game's ad on Facebook, maybe in their newsfeed, maybe it's on Instagram. You click on the ad, then the user gets taken to the app store, user downloads and installs the app. And then user tries the game. So there's like four different steps there. And every steps, you probably lose some folks. There's a drop off. But the new Facebook cloud gaming would insert the ads into the newsfeed. And then when user or gamers click, the user can try the game and play on any device without installing, without leaving the Facebook platform. This reduces the friction significantly. If you want to see the GIF of this uh, in action, you can visit our article, which we will link on the show notes. I see. So they can make the gaming ads a lot more effective when they reduce the drop-off. And when the ads are more effective, game publishers will spend more on Facebook. Yeah, I think that is the overall strategy. Similar friction-reducing strategy is being employed by Facebook in e-commerce too, not just in gaming. For example, Facebook recently announced Instagram in-app checkout. You can click on an item being showcased by an influencer on Instagram or other social commerce app that Facebook owns. You can pick the size and the color that you want, enter shipping, payment, complete purchase without leaving the Instagram app. As opposed to before, you have to click on a URL, maybe in the comments, you go to the seller's website, you create an account, and then so on and so forth, right? You complete the checkout process. So that's interesting. With this, they can significantly reduce the shopping cart abandonment, which is somewhere between 60 to 80%. Yep, I think that's the direction they are going to go to. Now shifting gears to the second company, Apple. For Apple, its iPhone revenue declined, largely because of the delay in the release of the new 5G iPhones. Yeah, there are three key takeaways from Apple's earnings here. As you mentioned, iPhone revenue went down 20% year over year because the delay in the launch of the 5G iPhones because of the global pandemic. Because of this delay, Apple thinks that revenue is delayed from the quarter that ended in September to pushed back to the holiday quarters. It's delayed and not lost. So Apple is hoping that the holiday season will be strong. And observation number two, continued work from home trends increase sales of Mac computers. So if you plot that year-over-year growth of the different business segments, the Mac and the wearables actually went up. And as a result of this delayed launch, revenue in greater China fell 29% to the lowest level in five years. In China, Apple is losing market share to the local players, Xiaomi and Huawei. Yeah, having lived in China, I think China is a unique market for the iPhone. Unlike in other markets, Apple's iOS software advantage is weakened in China. Outside of China, the iPhone has an additional lock-in because you use the App Store, you use iMessenger, and other services powered by Apple. But in China, users in China mostly live within these chat and wallet super app ecosystems that are dominated by both WeChat and Alipay. In a way, Apple has been disintermediated. Yeah, so if Apple cannot differentiate on software, it has to do so via hardware. As we have discussed in the past, one of Apple's key strengths in China is as a status symbol. 
But for a status symbol to work, you have to be able to show others that you're rocking the latest iPhone, right? And in order to do this, the shape and the features of the iPhone has to be distinguishable from previous generations to the newest generation. In the past, Apple has achieved this by releasing larger screens. And when this happened, sales in China were really strong. It then shifted, you can't increase screen size forever. So then it added a borderline screen design with the notch, right? With iPhone 10. And most recently, increasing the number of the cameras, differentiating the different tiers and the different generations with the number of cameras. And when they do this, the sale in China rebounded. There's shifts in year to year when there's physical upgrades and then the sales in China rebounded. This is why 5G is an important new feature, more so in China when the deployment of 5G is ahead of the rest of the world. Let's move on to Amazon. How did they fare? Again, when discussing Amazon's earning, well is also an understatement. Three businesses that are accelerated due to the shift in behavior because of the global pandemic, one, e-commerce, two, digital advertising, and three, migration to the cloud. Amazon has all three businesses, which makes Amazon unique compared to the other tech giants. Here are three key takeaways. Almost all of Amazon's business segment posted double-digit revenue growth. AWS, the cloud computing segment, saw a 29% increase in revenue to $11.6 billion. That's like a $45, $44 billion annual run rate. This is an astonishing accomplishment considering Amazon is already the largest cloud computing provider at about 31% market share. Number two, more people are flocking to Amazon to shop and sign up for Prime. This means more consumers the company can show ads to. And as a result, the ad business saw a 51% revenue increase from last year to $5.4 billion. Again, if you annualize that, that's a 20 plus billion dollar business just on ads, right? More than half of U.S. households shop or search with Amazon first when they're looking for something to buy, not through Google. And profits nearly tripled to $6.3 billion. And if you've been following Amazon for a while, you know that Jeff Bezos does not like profits. He prefers to reinvest into the business rather than paying taxes. Business in the past quarter is even stronger than their internal expectations, generating the extra profit. I'm actually quite surprised when you said that more than half of the U.S. households start their search with Amazon. I haven't seen that in Singapore myself, so I'm not sure that that's true internationally. How do you think that Amazon has accomplished this? Amazon Prime is such a powerful business mode. First of all, Amazon has pretty much saturated Prime membership in the U.S. I think it's estimated that 60% of U.S. households have Prime membership. So the way it works is as such, you pay $120 per year or $12 a month for the privilege of being a member. Once you're a member, you get faster free shipping and TV shows, movies to watch. As a result, you shop more. The average Prime member spends $1,400 per year versus the average non-member who spends about $600 a year. And because as a member, you get content streaming, you visit the site more often on a daily basis, and it becomes habit for the members to search on Amazon first before buying. So this means Amazon can make money from advertising if it's the first destination for a lot of folks. And it also monetizes from hosting third-party sellers on its website, which contributes more than half of total e-commerce sales through Amazon. So it's making money from the supply side when you're doing fulfillment by Amazon, when you're using Amazon's warehouse and logistical services. And on the other side of the equation, on the demand side, it also helps merchants generate demand by charging for advertisement. Prime creates a very powerful flywheel where one aspect of the business reinforces the other. Microsoft also had a strong Q3, beating expectations with a net profit of $13.9 billion. 
And unsurprisingly, much of this success came from their cloud business as well as their team's communication software. Can you tell us more? Yeah, this is turning into a trend. Microsoft also beats expectations. The company posted a quarterly revenue of $37.2 billion, which is a 12% increase, with a net profit of $13.9 billion in this most recent quarter. Similar to what you see with Amazon's cloud business, Microsoft's Azure also reported very strong growth. Revenue from the cloud division jumped 48% year over year. Azure has the second largest market share, second only to Amazon at about 20% or so. Uh, Very big numbers. Another interesting statistic is that Microsoft disclosed that Teams now has more than 110 million daily active users. This is up from 75 million daily active users that was disclosed in April, which is a number that well eclipses Slack's. Yeah, Microsoft's Teams compete with a lot of different software-as-a-service standalone companies. It competes with Slack for collaboration and communication. It competes with Zoom for video calls and web conferencing. Microsoft's team is built on SharePoint and integrates well with Office 365. It competes with Dropbox and Box and other file sharing services. So I think in the long run, Microsoft can potentially shrink the total addressable market for these smaller SaaS companies, software-as-a-service companies. Because Microsoft is entrenched in the enterprise world. All these big customers are already buying from Microsoft in one way or another, so there's no reason for them to switch. Obviously, we can't complete the session without discussing Google. Google also beat expectations. Yeah, Google or Alphabet. After the early uncertainty around the pandemic in Q1 2020, it seems that advertisers have restarted their ad spend. So this boosted Google's revenue. Digital advertising segment raked in a total of $37 billion in revenue, beating expectations. And again, Google's business saw similar trends as the other tech giants. Ads revenue went up. Google search generated $26 billion, while YouTube raked in more than $5 billion, which is the first time at YouTube as a business uh, crossed this threshold, which is a gain of 32% over the same period a year ago. And along with other cloud providers, Google's cloud also grew rapidly. Revenue grew 44%, crossing $3 billion for the quarter. It's still four times smaller than Amazon. Well, thank you again for your insight, Darwin. That was a fruitful session. Yeah, every quarter, all these tech giants report their earnings on the same day, Super Tuesday. So it's quite painful to analyze, to be honest, but happy to do it. Until next week, Kai. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. For more insights into markets and emerging technologies, please visit our blog at vested.co.in. As always, take care and stay safe.